Hi, I'm Taylor Burgess, lead pastor of Cross Community Church, and I want to welcome you to worship with Cross Community Online. Uh, we're really glad that you've chosen to join in with us this weekend. And as we begin our uh, time together, there's a few things that I want to highlight uh, as you join in with us uh, from wherever you are. Uh, first, if you're watching this video on Facebook right now, we've linked several resources to this video. Uh, the most important one is the online Next Steps form. This is the number one way that we stay connected with our church family, and it's the very best way that you can get connected to our church family if you're interested. So fill out that next steps form. Let us know that you've been here today. Our staff will follow up with you throughout the course of this week. We've also linked resources for kids ministry that you can uh, use at home with your kids, uh, resources linked for student ministry, and there's also a link for a regathering form that we'll talk about here in just a moment. Uh, we've, we've also linked uh, to this video our, our link for online giving, and I just want to say to you as a church family, uh, this may be difficult to believe, but we have actually, over the last few months since we've got online, we have actually seen our church family's giving increase, and so we just give glory to God for that. We say thank you uh, to you for continuing to support the advance of the gospel through our local church. Uh, and we have a lot to celebrate with you when we gather uh, together again here over the next couple of weeks. And I just want to say thank you so much. I believe God is is honored with how our church family has pressed in during this season. Uh, and because you've faithfully given, there's a lot that we've been able to do that we'll be sharing about in the weeks ahead. Uh, well, the big news for our church family right now is that, Lord willing, uh, this, not uh, where you are today, but um, we're recording this on a Thursday night, so almost a week from now, uh, we'll be regathering on Sunday, June 21st at the YMCA several details about our regathering plan uh, that you need to know about. And every single one of them are important. So uh, first thing is that we're going to have three morning worship services. Typically just have two. Uh, in this first return phase, we're going to have three morning worship services at 8.30, 9.45, and 11 o'clock. You're going to be required to register for those worship services in advance, and that registration link is going to be available on Monday, June 15th. So look at that. Look for that through a churchwide email. It's also going to be available in our social media pages as well. Uh, also, you know during this first return phase that our kids ministry is not yet going to be open. So Cross Kids, which we typically have open uh, for kids birth to fifth grade, uh, is not going to be available in this first return phase. And then as uh, the, the YMCA moves into subsequent phases of their reopening, uh, we'll be bringing back cross kids. And then finally, for those of you who are not yet able to regather with us, we want you to know that we are not going to forget about you. Uh, just the same way we've recorded the services in advance over the last few months, uh, we will record the Sunday morning worship service. We're going to uh, have a quick turnaround time of editing it that afternoon, and then that's going to be made available online for a five o'clock online worship service on Sunday for as long as you're unable to regather with us. Uh, and so about that regathering form that's atop this link, if you are not going to be regathering with us on Sunday, June 21st, uh, that's a very brief form. If you'll just fill that out, let us know. Uh, we want to be able to continue serving you to the best of our capacity from where you are. Uh, we just want to, you to hear us tell you that we are not going to forget about you as our church family uh, starts coming back together. So fill out that form, and then our staff will be following up with you throughout the course of the week. Uh, well, today, um, we are really, really excited to have Cole Forrest, who is our brand new student minister, uh, sharing the message with us in our I Am series. Today, uh, Cole's going to be leading us through John chapter 14, and Jesus claimed that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, you can't see from where you are, but we actually have a room full of students and student ministry leaders who are here to support Cole tonight. Uh, but we're really grateful to have him here as a part of our staff, excited to have him bringing the word uh, this weekend. So thank you for joining us for worship. Uh, let's lift our voices together in song and turn our attention, our ears to God's word. Yeah. Well, wherever you're at, uh, thankful that you're here. We're going to start here in Psalm 95 uh, before we start. So uh, if you would read this with me, Psalm 95, 1 through 2. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. 
Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. Amen. Father God, uh, we just ask that as we come before you, that you would silence all the voices that we have in our minds, except for yours. There's so much noise uh, in the world right now. We just ask that you would calm our minds and let all, let your voice be the only thing that we hear today. Uh, help us seek and be able to follow your will today. God, may our prayers and our songs and these words that we say today be joined with everybody, those of our brothers and our sisters in the faith uh, all across the world, that we may glorify your name and enjoy your fellowship forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alone in my sorrows, alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin. Lost without hope with no place to begin. Your love made a way to let mercy come in. When death was arrested and my life began. Ash was redeemed, only beauty remains. My orphan heart was given a name. quiet my feet rose to dance when death was arrested and my life began oh your grace so free washes over me you have made me Released from my chains, I'm a prisoner no more. Amen. My shame was a ransom he faithfully bore. He canceled my debt and he called me his friend. When death was arrested in my life, he Darkness rejoices, O oh, heaven and lost. 
you find yourself today, uh, just grab your Bible, maybe it's your device, uh, and open to John 14 verses 1 through 6, and just take a moment uh, and read these words that Jesus spoke about himself, and then pray that he would speak to you uh, in the next 30 minutes, that he would reveal more of himself to you through his word.
Hey, Carl's family, it's so good to be able to bring the word with you this weekend and open it and really dive into uh, all that God has for us. Uh, since we have not really officially met uh, in person, so we've met on social media, we've met via Zoom calls for students, um, and it's such an awesome opportunity to be able to just really be in a room with people. Um, and so we're really excited about that. Uh, last night, I got to hang out with middle schoolers uh, down at the park and grab some ice cream and get to know them, start to build some relationships, got to play ultimate Frisbee and found out yet again that I am terrible at running and that I will sweat tremendously. Um, but tonight, as Taylor said, I'm so excited to get to see the, the faces of our high schoolers uh, and be able to just get to know them more tonight after uh, recording. We're actually going to go grab some Chick-fil-A and get to hang out and get to know each other. And so I'm really excited about that. Um, but with getting to meet them, I'm excited to meet you as well. I'm so excited to be able to gather uh, over the next couple of weeks and just really get to know you, know who you are and all that you are, um, and just really start to build relationships. Uh, but this weekend, like Taylor said, we're gonna be continuing through uh, our I Am series that we've been walking through, looking at the different I Am statements uh, that God, that Jesus has has stated. And so in a world where uh, there are so many different things, opinions that God, that people have about who Jesus is. We want to know who does Jesus actually say that he is. And so throughout this series, we've seen that Jesus say that he is the bread of life, that he is the light of the world, that he is the door for the sheep, that he is the good shepherd, and that he is the resurrection and the life. And so this weekend, what we're going to look at, the I am statement that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And this is such an important I am statement for us to, to look at because it clearly points to the gospel. It clearly points us to foundational truth about our faith. And so when I think about a foundation, I think about a time in, in my life when me and Ashton had just gotten married. And so uh, I just finished up a residency at a church that I was working at. And so, man, we needed to make ends meet, right? So I had to get a job. I, I had to work full time and start paying bills and stuff, something new after coming out of college, leaving mom and dad's house. And so one of the things that I did was I actually started to build houses for about six months of my life uh, is what I did. And so when we would build houses, y'all, I'm talking like houses that were small itty bitty to multi-million dollar houses. I remember some instances of being up on roofs after a three-story build and being scared to death that if, if certain people were to drive by, uh, we would not be working there anymore because I would not have a harness on on the roof, scared I'm going to fall off. And so from a couple times forward, I then started cutting and passing rather than placing on the top uh, of the roof. But there was one house in particular that I remember that we went to go build. It was about five minutes from where I grew up. And it was a house that we, it was, it, it was an easy house. It should be no more than a month build. And so we started going to this house and started working from one end to the other, laying the, the groundwork on top of the foundation. So I was a framer, so building the wood up uh, from the brick that had been laid. And so what happened is as we moved from one end to the other, we slowly came to see that at the edge where the garage was, where it was supposed to be, it was out of square by about a foot. So the foundation was way off. And so we couldn't even build on top of it to the point in which my boss would look at all of us and say, hey guys, pack it up. It's time to go home because you can't build on a messed up foundation. And so for us as believers, we must understand this is a foundational truth. And if we don't get this truth right, we really cannot call ourselves to be Christians because it is foundational. And so when we look at John chapter 14, at this first six, six verses, we are going to be looking at a foundational truth for us as believers. 
And with that in mind, let us give, let's get a roadmap for where we're gonna go today. So our main idea uh, for this weekend is that Jesus is the only sure way to relationship with God. Jesus is the only sure way to relationship with God. And we're gonna see that in four turns, that Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, Jesus is the life, and Jesus is exclusive, okay? Don't get too held up on that last point yet. We'll talk about it when we get there, but let's pray as we dive into the word. Father, uh, Lord, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for your word, Lord, that you desire to teach us, for us to learn more about who you are and your great love for us. God, I pray that, Lord, this weekend, that you would teach us God, who you are, Lord, and that you would defy all odds and you would come down, you would make a way and you would be the way that you are the truth and the life. God, teach us this evening. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So let's jump in. John chapter 14, starting at verse one, it reads as this. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I may go, you may be also. And you know the way that I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Let's pause here. We'll leave that last verse for just a little bit. But Jesus at this point in his ministry is one day away from being crucified. He, uh, he, he's got a lot of stuff going on. He's come to fulfill the purpose for his whole coming to earth that he would go to the cross the next day. And yet we see here, Jesus tell the disciples, let not your heart be troubled. He knows that though he has told them many times now that he is going to go to the cross, they still don't understand. You see, he, he's, he's washed the disciples' feet. He's talked about loving God, loving others. He's had the, the, the moment where he looks at Judas and is like, you're the one that's gonna betray me. And he's had the moment where Peter looks at him and said, I will follow you to the end. And Jesus looks back at him and says, no, you won't. You will deny me three times. And so Jesus has a lot of stuff that's about to go on, right? He's about to be beaten, mocked, spat upon. He knows this already to be true, but yet he finds himself in a moment where he should be comforted. Rather, he is comforting other people people. He's comforting the disciples. That's where Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Don't worry about where I'm going for. I'm going to prepare a place for you. It's as if Jesus is telling them, hey guys, don't worry. I'm going that I might bring you with me to my father's house. In the father's house are many rooms, it says. Notice that it doesn't say that there is a village of multiple homes or a town but rather it is a house, a home. So it's not that you would do X, Y, and Z, and now your home is now somewhat closer to God's, or that if you don't do X, Y, and Z, now you're further away from God's house, but rather as a redeemed child of the King, you would be in his house. This should speak volumes to us that God isn't simply out for our holy living, but he's actually after our hearts. That way, we, that we would be in relationship with him. And this is why Jesus must go. But the disciples are still puzzled. They don't understand, Jesus, why must you go away that we might then come with you? Why can't you just stay here with us a little longer and we can continually to be with you? And then the famous doubting Thomas has a question to pose to Jesus. And this question is what frames up the rest 
of our time together, a question that Jesus doesn't respond to with a question like he normally would, right? But he actually responds with a statement about himself. And so Thomas asked Jesus, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Essentially, what Thomas says is, Jesus, we don't know the destination. We don't know where we are going, so how can we even know the way there? To which Jesus responds with a statement that many of us have memorized probably. Maybe you were like me and you memorized it on a car ride to Awana. That way you could get a piece of candy or a jewel to your badge or whatever it may be, you know, Southern Baptist life. Um, but, But like, maybe you learned it, but you never really thought about what it meant for your life. And so Jesus responds in verse six. Let's read it together. It says, Jesus said to him, responding to Thomas, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So like I said earlier, throughout the rest of our time together, we're gonna look at the four ways in which Jesus talks about himself, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that he is exclusive. So let's deal with each of them as Jesus speaks to them. First up, we've got Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. So that is the question, what is a way? Merriam-Webster defines a way as a course traveled from one place to another. So essentially the way is how you get from a starting point to a destination. I think about it like this, like Google Maps, right? All of us use Google Maps most likely or some way, shape or form. And so uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and shameless plug, Waze is a thousand times better than Google Maps. Uh, But like we use Google Maps to get from point A to point B. It tells us different paths uh, to get to a place. And so y'all know I'm new to Beaufort. And so I use some form of GPS to get anywhere, okay? If it's not coming to the offices or to my house, um, I'm I'm using Google Maps, I'm really using Waze, but I'm trying to figure out a way to get to a destination. And so throughout that time though, there's many times in my life where I've used a GPS and you probably have too. And so you've probably been like me and been frustrated because you miss a turn and now you're in like a mile long of traffic And like, you're trying to make a U-turn, but there's a median. And so you can't actually do it. And so you're frustrated. And oftentimes I'm lucky lucky enough to have my wife beside me who sees me huff and get frustrated, who then says, it's gonna be okay, sweetie. We're gonna get there. And so in this passage, what it looks like is as Thomas is saying, Jesus, I don't know where you're going. I don't know the destination. I don't understand. He doesn't even know how to get there. And so he's responding to Jesus And so let's talk about both of those things, the destination and the way. First up, the destination. Jesus was telling the disciples just moments before of the place in which he is going to prepare for them. He's going to bring them home, home with him. And so the destination that Jesus is referring to is really eternal life with him that starts then. Having a relationship with our creator and and the lover of our souls to live with him forever. A lot of times we tend to get this twisted up in the Christian context, right? We think that Jesus is coming to die, that way I don't go to hell. Or or maybe it's just like almost in the sense of saying, I wanna get out of hell free card and then live however I wanna live. Or maybe it's uh, my favorite way of saying is it's fire insurance. That way you don't have to go. We get it twisted. We think that the truth about what Jesus is coming to do is that he would come to save us from hell, but it's so much better than that because Jesus is going to the cross to die in your place, in my place, so that we can have a restored relationship that has been broken because of our sin. The destination that Jesus is taking us to is home, where we can have perfect relationship 
with him. In reality, what this means is that Jesus is our destination, being with him. It's not about a place and it's not about a state of being, but rather it's about simply being with Jesus. So Jesus is our destination. Now we now that we know where we're going to, let's talk about the way there. Jesus has claimed that he is the way. Jesus is how we get to a destination, which is home with him. And so the question we must now ask is, if he is the way, why must he be the way? Why does Jesus have to be the way to a relationship with God? Can't I just do what people have done for centuries and just do good? Isn't that what the Bible teaches anyways though, right? Do good and God will accept you? Pull myself up by my bootstraps and do the things that the Bible says. Don't drink, don't chew, or date girls that do is the way that it was framed up where I come from. And so just be good, right? But this isn't the gospel. The gospel is not clean yourself up so that God will accept you. The gospel is that we are dirty in our sin and we cannot clean up ourselves. No matter how much we try to scrub our bodies with good works, the stain of sin still remains. We cannot do enough good to earn God's love. You see, our sin has separated us from God and we cannot make atonement for our sins. We are unable to repay God the debt that we owe him for sinning against him. Even our good works are tainted by selfishness and pride. Because of this, there had to be another way. There had to. If we cannot live a perfect life in full obedience to the totality of the law, then we cannot fix the situation or restore what we have broken. James writes this um, in his book. He says, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails at one point, just one, has become guilty of all of it. So when we sin just once, we are unable. That makes us doing anything impossible because we are born in our sin. I think about this, how about being born in our sin, original sin, however you wanna frame it up. And I have not been blessed with being able to have kids yet, hopefully one day. And maybe y'all will be the ones who are babysitting our kids, you know. Um, but man, think about a baby when it's born. Like no one has to teach it how to, um, to want things for itself, right? It cries to be fed, it cries to be changed, it cries because it just wants what it wants. It's in and of itself selfish. It's all about me, right? So even in that moment, we can already see, I mean, you get to the terrible twos and you, you see a plain view of sin, right? And so we see that, man, yo, from day one, it has been impossible for us. We have no way to earn God's love so what happens? God steps in. Jesus comes to earth and lives a perfect life free from sin. Even the sins that we so easily commit. Think about the things that are mental, the things that come out of our mouth to our actions, the things that we so easily are entangled with. He never once sins against the Father. And through his perfect life, he finds himself here in our passage, sitting, talking to the disciples, telling him that he must go away to prepare a place for him. See, that night after they would discuss, he would be arrested and the next day be nailed to a cross. But he had done no wrong, never once. Yet he dies on the cross to make atonement payment for our sin. Jesus dies in our place. And through his death and resurrection, three days later, he restores what was broken. Through faith in that Jesus, the Jesus that died in your place, personally, for you, not just for the blanket, but for you, relationship with God is restored. 
So Jesus is the way because we could do nothing to restore our relationship with the Father, but Jesus did. So point number one, Jesus is the way. Point number two, Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth. So in verse two, we see that Jesus implies that he can only tell the truth. He says, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Jesus is making claims that he is the truth, that he is who he has always claimed to be, the Messiah. That he really is that, but rather the Jews just have this tainted view of what they want the Messiah to be like, to overthrow Rome, but yet Jesus is coming to overthrow our sin. See, Jesus is truthful because he is the truth. Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Jesus is constant and he is absolute. See, in our society, it has become a popular opinion that there is no such thing as absolute truth, that there is no true definition of what's right or what's wrong, that it's relative. What's true for you doesn't have to be true for me. And even some Christians have even embraced this style of thinking that I can follow my God and you can follow yours, but I'm never, ever going to cross that line to talk about it. If this is you, I want you to hear me out. From a biblical perspective, from a biblical worldview, there must be absolute truth. Think about it like this. If I was to walk down downtown Beaufort and walk up to somebody and just slap them, slap them straight in the face, like give them a big, nice red handprint on their face, a lot of us would say that was wrong. And so we would know that natural, what would happen is that I would be arrested for assault and I would then respond, well, I don't believe that what I did is wrong. Like, if, if I don't think it's wrong, why can you do anything to me if I don't think it's wrong? I mean, this is the natural end to that style of thinking. That if I define what's right and wrong and you have a separate idea of what right and wrong is, then like, what can you actually do to me? And culturally, we see this playing out in our current circumstances. I mean, absolute truth from God's word in Genesis 1 says that every human life matters that each person, regardless of appearance or race, is valuable. But in our current world, people of color are discriminated against and killed as if it were okay. If this is what truth is, that every life is valuable and to be treated with respect, then we must be gospel people and stand for the truth. Even in a culture that doesn't believe it, we must stand for the truth and truth is valuable. And when Jesus declares that he is the truth, he is the embodiment of truth in its most complete sense. Because he is totally truth, because he is deity, he is God. He is the truth that we can hold on to no matter the life circumstances that come, no matter the, the hurts, the trials, the pain, the emotions that come, we cling to Jesus. We cling to truth, we cling to the gospel that provides the way to salvation, restoration, and redemption the very things that we long to see within ourselves that we long for to happen for others. And so when Jesus says that he is the truth, y'all, he is the rock. He is the cornerstone, the one that we can rely on. The truth that is found in Jesus is not only what saves us, but sustains us. It keeps us going. So when lies enter our minds about who we are or who we believe others to be, we must cling to the truth of Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross and that what he says is true. And so far we have seen that Jesus is the way and that Jesus is the truth. 
Now, thirdly, Jesus is the life. Jesus is the life. He's where life is found. John 1, verse 1 through 5 uh, says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Here's where it points to, to what we're talking about. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. See, Jesus is life where death is actually found in everything else that we search for. You see, God is a, a life giver. He is a good gift giver. And in this life, he has graced us with so many things that are good. Relationships, money, jobs, food, just to name a few. And these things are good. And God has given them to us for the purpose of glorifying him within them. However, what we have done in our sin is that we have made them our God, replacing the created things for the creator. Our tendency is just like the old hymn says, my heart is prone to wonder. Y'all, our heart wants to go after all of these things that God has given us. So my heart is prone to replace God with things that will leave me empty in the end. You see, I read a book right after college. It's probably one of the most transformational books that I've read. Super simple, easy read by Tim Keller called Counterfeit Gods. And in this book, he talks about the heart in a few ways. And so I'm gonna name uh, a few of the ways that he talks about it. He talks about these good gifts that God has given us. And he says that our hearts fashion these desires into idols, but also that our hearts are idol-making factories because we seek life and joy from things that will never satisfy or give us life. We become content with never being content. Seems like an oxymoron, right? We become content with never being content. We get into a rhythm of doing the same things, making the same relationships work, whatever we want to do into idols, into our little G gods. We become numb even to the reality that we are seeking life where it cannot be found. And what do we do? We shrug our shoulders as if it's okay. But it cannot be this way. We were created to have life and life abundantly in Christ, that he will be all that we need. To the point where we see that all of life isn't about us, but it's truly about him. So think about being um, able to find satisfaction in Christ, in God. And so uh, one of the things that I did not too long after coming to Buford was I started going to F3, which is faith, fitness, and fellowship, okay? So I was dragged into it by Michael Morrison. <sighs> You know, he, he, he did a, he pulled a fast one on me. And then I pulled a fast one on Grayson and got Grayson to go with me. And so uh, the way that Michael got me to do it was he said, hey man, we're gonna work out, but we're not gonna run all that much. I said, sounds good, because I hate running. <laughs> Only like three times then, and this guy named Baby Shoes is doing like the workout for the day. And y'all, we run so much. <laughs> like I'm talking like, I, they're all like way, like a whole block ahead of me. And I'm like walking now, like they're all just keeping on running. And I'm like dead, right? And so by the end of that time, what do I do? I long for something to quench my thirst. I long for something to satisfy me. And any of you who run, you know that after you run, it's probably not best that you drink a two liter Coke because it leaves you wanting more. It doesn't satisfy. It actually probably makes your mouth even more dry. And so what do we need? We need water water that would quench our thirst from that run. And so what Jesus is, who Jesus is, is the only person that can actually satisfy our 
thirst. He's the only one that can give us life. See, Jesus calls us out of death into new life and the fullness of joy and love in him. Think about Ephesians 2, verses four and five. It says, but God, probably some of the most profound words in all of scripture, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. See, Jesus makes us alive when we were dead. He gives us life, dead in our sin, but made alive in Christ through the gospel. Therefore, Jesus can truthfully declare that he is life because he is the life giver. So Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. And now Jesus is exclusive. Now, if you haven't had a problem with Jesus so far, you probably do now, right? He's already told you that you can't do this on your own that and all truth uh, must be absolute, that he is the truth. And so when we believe false things, he calls us out on them. Then that he's life. So that even the little things that we like and enjoy in life, we tend to make him, th- those things be God rather than him. But now Jesus says at the end of verse six, no one comes to the father except through me. Now we see that Jesus is the exclusive way in today's society, it's a pretty uh, bigot-like thing to say that your God is the only way to actually like be there, to be with God. With so many religions out there, it's a pretty preposterous thing to say. I mean, take a quick drive around town and you'll see a coexist sticker slapped on the back somewhere that all roads must lead to God and that the God of all religions is all the same God. But Jesus claims here that a resounding no to that statement. If we cannot get to God by our own will, then Jesus claiming that he is the exclusive way shouldn't really throw us all that off. Because the gospel is different than any religion because religion says do and the gospel says done. Jesus has done everything necessary to save us from our sin. There is no amount of good that we could do to make God love us more and there's no amount of evil that we could do to make God love us less. Rather, God has shown us his perfect love in the gospel. He has given us all of him, laid it all out that we might have life with him. He made a way when there was no way. He gave us truth that we can cling to when everything will fall apart and he gives us life when we were lifeless. Jesus has done what nothing else could do. He died the death that we deserve and bridged the chasm between us and God. Through faith in the gospel, we are forgiven of our sin, deemed justified and sanctified to live for Christ. Think about it like this again. We talked about the GPS and Google Maps and Waze earlier. Let's come, let's bring it back out, you know? Um, and so whenever we we use that, usually if we use Google Maps, the lower version of Waze, um, because it's superior, um, Google Maps will give you multiple ways of which to go, right? And so it's as if Google Maps gives you all these different roads and you start going down different paths, right? You go down one and it leads to a broken bridge. You can't get through there. Go down another one, it leads to flooding. So now you, if you go through that, your car is down the river. Or maybe it leads to like North Carolina, it leads to a dirt road that then leads to a pasture where you ain't getting through. Like Google Maps just didn't know that it could never get you there. But in real life, what it looks like is that we thought that porn would make us happy until our marriages started to fall apart. It's as if we thought that having a bigger paycheck or a nicer boat or even the next best thing would satisfy us, but all we do is crave the next point of achievement. But the reality is that we never actually arrive. But there is one route that would get us to the destination. One way, one truth, and one life. And that is Jesus and only Jesus. 
And so we look at this I am statement that Jesus has declared. Now, this is the core of the gospel. This is the foundation that Jesus would die a substitutionary death for us and raise back to life that we might have life in him. And so when we read this passage, there's gotta be a few things that we take home with us. Can't just read it and walk away as if it doesn't matter. If it's foundational, then it's true because Jesus is who he says he is, then we must take it with us. And so I know that this weekend, man, we're here in this room, you're watching online. Um, There's two camps of people that are watching or, or even in the room. There's those of us who are questioning, who are trying to figure out this gospel stuff. Then there's also another camp that says, I've placed my faith in Christ already. So let's talk to both of those camps. First, those who are trying to figure out this gospel stuff. The call today is to repent, to turn away from your sin and believe the gospel. See, today Jesus has shown us that he is the way, that there is no other way, that he is the truth and that he is the life and he has come that you might have a relationship restored with him. So turn away from your sin and come home to Jesus. Secondly, we've got followers of Christ. Those of us who would say that we believe the gospel, that we've turned away from our sin and that we are following after him, that we believe that he has done everything necessary to save us from our sin. Today, be reminded that you can't earn your salvation, that you can't earn God's love and choose to walk in the freedom that the gospel allows. But also cling to the truth of the gospel. In church culture, y'all, we can so easily get tied up with things that are periphery. Things such as like dress or alcohol or ways that we worship. Y'all, we must cling to the, the focal point, the gospel. We can't be divided over secondary and tertiary issues. We must cling to the truth and hold fast to him. So that call then is to self-evaluate. Where are you in that spectrum? Are you finding life in Jesus or in other things? So search, repent, and find life in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. God, that you are a good God and that you love us beyond what we could ever fathom. God, I pray that you would stir in our hearts. God, help us to follow the way, to trust in the way. Lord, because we couldn't do it on our own. Only you could make the atonement for our sin. And so Lord, help us to be ambassadors. Help us to be gospel people, to stand for truth. God, help us to only find life in you. And in the moments in our life where we seek to find life in other things, God, bring us back to you. Lord, because it may feel like a long trail, but it's just a turn. It's just one step. And so, Lord, thank you so much for your word and all that you do for us. And God, how much you love us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Peace.
Amen. What incredible truth for us to both hear uh, from the word of God and to be able to sing uh, about the hope of the gospel, what Jesus has accomplished for us and how we get to stand uh, in victory because of the fact that he has overthrown the grave. So I want to say a big thank you to Cole for sharing that very strong word with us this weekend. Uh, In particular, um, y'all are in the room right now, but huge shout out to all of our high school students. You can't see it, but they came out in force this evening uh, to be here in support of Cole and they sang this room down. It was incredible uh, being in here uh, with them 
tonight, but uh, Lord willing, uh, next week we will be back with you, many of you in person uh, at the YMCA. Please don't forget uh, three services, 8.30, 9.45, 11 o'clock. Register online. That link becomes available on Monday. We won't have kids initially, and for those of you staying at home, uh, please fill out uh, that form that's linked here to the Facebook video, uh, the regathering form. Let us know that you're not going to be returning so we can continue to serve you, and we'll make the online content available by 5 p.m. on Sundays. If you're watching this at a different time on Vimeo, uh, all the resources that I talked about during the welcome and here at the very end are available uh, on our Facebook page or on our website, crosscommunity.org. Uh, but if you feel like you can't lo uh, locate something, don't hesitate to reach out to our staff uh, sometime through the course of next week. Uh, so good to worship with you from wherever you are again uh, this weekend. Let's say together our banner verse from Psalm 45, 17, and then we'll sing together as we close. I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore, nations will praise you forever and ever. Amen. Let's sing. you and keep you. Uh, the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Guys, we love you so much. And hopefully next week we will see you at the YMCA if you register in time. Just remember to register. Guys, we love you so much. We'll see you.